There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In by Kuliszewski. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy and a man who has logged into Amazon, typed in Pitchfork, and is hovering over the Buy Now button. But who's he going to point the Pitchfork at? We're going to find out very soon. It's Nathan Lee Clark. Hello, Nathan. Happy New Year! Yay! Happy New Year! Yay! Thanks, Spurs. (laughs) Got it off to a flyer. Yay! Um, I think what we're going to do, as Bardi isn't here... He's in Amsterdam. He has been in Amsterdam for New Year's. We're going to hear from Bardi right now. Hello from Amsterdam is Windy's sidekick and best friend Bardi. Now, I watched Spurs lose 2-0 yesterday in a really nice bar with um, Simon and Liam from the Amsterdam Spurs. And um, as I was walking home, I was thinking, uh-oh, Windy and Nathan by themselves, let loose. What's going to happen? They're going to go after my manager. They're going to go after everybody. And... Um, it's going to be toxic negativity, perhaps what the stadium was a bit like, but I don't know. So I just thought I wanted to share my my opinions on it. And, you know, I think I think Conte should be doing better and he needs to be doing better. But I do think there are issues, deeper issues at the club. I think the problem remains the players. I think a good manager is able to come in and for a certain period of time almost get them to overachieve. But then after a year or so, they revert to the mean. We saw that under um, Mourinho and now we're seeing it under Conte. They're unable to keep a sustained level of, of normality to their to their play. I think there's serious issues with Lloris. I think there's serious issues with Dyer. He was dropped for the first time. But I think at the heart of all of this, it's um, it's got to be it's got to be Daniel Levy in the board. Now, I'm not fully Enoch out. I'm not there yet. Because I don't think there's an alternative. I, I remember Nathan did a really nice Twitter thread about it where he spoke about what comes next, what do we do next, who comes in next. And I don't think getting rid of Enoch is the answer because I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But I do think at the top there can be a change. I think there can be a change of policy and I think there can be a change of direction. I wouldn't be against Daniel Levy stepping away and letting someone else come in with a, a clearer vision, a newer vision. He's been there now, I don't know how long. 15 years, 20 years, who knows? And I think perhaps he's become clouded by the way he's already always done things and the way things have always been done at Spurs. 
I think there's an opportunity now to change things. And I think that has to happen from the top. You can't sack Conte because if you sack Conte, the same issues repeat themselves again. Someone comes in, players play well, they stop being dickheads and then they revert to being idiots. I think the change needs to come from the top. What Paratici's done, Kuliseski, Bentanko, Romero, these are smart signings, perhaps not Emerson, but these are smart signings and a clear direction where the club needs to go. I think we need to support Conte. I think we need to give Conte what he needs. And I don't know if Daniel Levy is that person to do it. So I'm not Enoch out. I'm not Levy out. I'm just Levy change. Change Levy. That's where I'm going to go. Change for change for Tottenham, change Levy. That's my that's my motto. That's my hill. Thank you very much. Now, Wendy, Nathan, stop being anti-Conte. Leave him alone. So, Nathan, how do you respond to uh, uh, Bardi's claim that you're going to go in on Conte? Uh, yeah, probably. Probably I'm going to go in on Conte <laughs> a little bit. I think mainly, um, mainly I'm going to go in on Conte for what he said after the match rather than the match itself which I probably I need to ready up some quotes um because he said a bunch of weird mad shit um yeah obviously that's not the most important thing the most important thing is worth actually going on the pitch and he does definitely take some blame for that but it's, it's a bigger picture um than that also so yeah he's definitely not without blame but I think I think if the larger point is Conte's a really good manager and that hasn't changed he just needs um, you know the right backing I don't I'm not dismissing that I don't think that's untrue um, at the same time you can say why haven't you done x and y and, and z and and um, why did you do <laughs> this and that also and um, what about this you know so uh, there's there's definitely valid criticism of Conte but it's obviously also not the full picture mm, yeah I'm with you I'm with you we got a whole bunch of um, fairly similar questions statements uh, people sort of just venting, I think, and that is completely reasonable given the, the Villa game. Um, so I'm just going to whiz through a few of those. So Adam R said, can we finally admit we are in crisis? Jamie Z, Jamie Z says, why, just why? NAF1138 says, question for the pod, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Jacob, Decky Impersonator, says, question for the pod, will I be happy in 2023? Another Adam says, forgetting what, what might happen and focusing on what has happened, how exactly has Conte's tenure been better than Jose's? Personally, mm-hmm. I've struggled to think of a single thing that is better. Uh, Ivan Victor says, again, what the actual fuck was that? Is it time for Conte to go? If not, do you think that he has it in him to make a change? Do you think he's lost the dressing room? What would you suggest be done? Does his throwing on of Skip, Saar, Royale and Spence at the end suggest he's making a statement to Levy about the players we have? And finally, James Sullivan says, I've been thinking about what has gone wrong since Poch. We just do not know what we are as a club anymore. Mm. It feels soulless and transactional. From Jose to Conte, and Conte is better, by the way. Are we a trophy hunting team where players come and go like Chelsea? Or are we willing to give young players a chance and build rapport? Option one keeps our current elite players at the club. Option two requires the most painful of rebuilds. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that one and say that I, I find that a very persuasive and relevant argument. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think this is um, how a lot of Spurs fans are feeling. That we don't know what we are as a club. There's there's a lack of, of identity. There's a lack of um, continuity. There's a lack of planning. Um, we've got this guy, Paratici, who was seemingly brought in to be the voice of the board, maybe. And we had, you know, this, this kind of clumsy, but interesting interview with him early on in his tenure. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe we're going to get like a, a regular Paratici mm. interview where he tells us what's going on behind the scenes. 
and then you know here we are with him with his own massive controversy going on clouding what's happening with him and and potentially his role at the club and we're sort of we're going from one completely different style manager to another with no real so it seems thought about the impact that has on our squad building leading us to where we are now with Conte uh, where he has not the squad he wants very clearly judging by his his post-match quotes and some of the things he's been saying recently life is not easy as a Spurs fan at the moment Um, it got very toxic in the ground against Villa Uh, massive massive proportions of the crowd were singing against Daniel Levy that was really noticeable. Barely anyone was singing about Conte or suggesting anything about Conte. There were some boos when um, when Mr. Royale came on, which I think was probably more about this type of sub rather than the individual. I at least hope that to be the case. Yeah. And there was some sort of sarcastic jeering when Jed Spence was brought on. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they are the most obvious sort of um, anti-Conte chants, as it were. Uh, but... It seems like a, a, a large portion of the Spurs fan base are sort of looking to sort of blame Daniel Levy for what's happening right now. Where do we start? Nathan, you did a video um, free on the Patreon for anyone who wants to go and have a look at the type of videos that Nathan's making. Patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. And it was about why Conte teams struggle to win second balls. Yes, yeah, particularly um, why his his bad teams, which is us now, struggle to win second ball. So I went and looked yeah. at his second season at Chelsea. I didn't go back to Juventus uh, struggles. I didn't try to look for weak periods of time during Inter because I feel like the case was really quite strong just on, on that small sample. Um, I mean, what I set out to do is answer like, what's going wrong? What's the problem? And it became very apparent very quickly that it is um, the ability to sort of compete for the ball in midfield um, is is a very significant um, uh, and frequent issue um, with his teams when they're playing badly. So we we explored that and looked at like what that looks like in multiple different teams, multiple different situations, multiple different oppositions. And we looked at, oh, let's remind ourselves that it's not always like this. Let's go back to the Newcastle game last season and see us really dominate a game. Um, maybe I should have looked at a game where we played more on the counter to see what how that also can work the same way. You don't have to dominate possession, dominate transitions. Yeah, obviously we've seen that in the past from, from Conte's side, so I'd like to have done that as well. And then I just sort of pondered for a while, how about how do you get into that situation? And obviously there's a strong link between um, when Conte's teams are playing in the Champions League or when they're not. So when he has a whole week to work between games and when mm. when and when not. Um, in terms of, I didn't really touch on preparation time. Mainly this is a topic of, of fitness. And I talked about difference between fitness and freshness, talked about periodization. And then I looked outside of fitness in terms of like whether there is a training issue, whether these particular situations aren't being rehearsed well enough. Or, or whether, or how much like the previous things matter, but also there are tactical solutions and tactical issues in terms of like playing a three-man midfield. Um, whether a back five always leaves too much space in front of it, things like that are worth considering. Um, but yeah, a big sort of deep dive into that. Obviously, I want let me um take a step back. Obviously, in the first half of the season, um, we came onto this podcast repeatedly. And we'd often had a good result and a poor performance. And we said, okay, well, um, you know, we've often 
lacked Romero. We've often lacked Kulusevski. They've only been on the pitch together twice, and that's still the case, by the way, this season. So that explains a lot. And it's a really long season, and there's a World Cup. Maybe we're saving ourselves for the second half of the season. Um, and that, you know, that that had some persuasiveness. Maybe um, maybe Basuma will settle into his role, and that'll change how things are going. Maybe we'll play a three-man midfield and work that out. Um, along has come the second half of the season. The first game was a more exaggerated version of 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 a first half syndrome let's call it right so we have this pattern where we're barely in the game in the first half we're at walking pace um the opposition might dominate possession or they might play deeper but we're just not getting the ball forwards we're not we're not maintaining advanced possession either way and we're unthreatening and the opposition often going or for what is it 10 games in a row the opposition have scored first Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um and then in the sort of final half an hour of the game the opposition sit off a little bit spurs come into the game they go all out and they maybe equalize maybe win so um that happening immediately again um first game back second half of the season was like okay let's put aside our excuses partly because also Kulisevsky started that game and while mm-hmm. Romero didn't it was Tanganga rather than Davinson who's a lot better on the ball um, and I think that was relevant in that game and it was also Doherty a right wing back and not Emerson Royale so we weren't getting pressed with Oblivion on our right hand side in this game yeah it was mainly our ability to compete for the second ball um so yeah a sort of a big exploration of of what that is now in um the Villa game we came out harder in the first half and Conte spoke to this. He, he said that there was really good desire, uh, really good intensity throughout the game. Mm, I wouldn't go that far, but we definitely came out a little harder in the first half and Villa quickly sat off us and allowed us to possess the ball. So this is a situation in which for the last year, over a year, we've been really quite strong, right? When we have advanced possessions, social possession, we're able to string together a number of attacks together it's a small patch around this time last year, actually, to be fair, where we struggled. But for the most part, especially since Kulusevsky's come in, we've broken teams down. We failed to do that against Villa. Um, I think that, obviously, Hill is not Kulusevsky. Hill is, is not is not on the back of a good run in the team. Um, Sun is playing poorly. Kane is no longer dropping deep. That seems to have been a tactical decision made along the, uh, the way at some point. Um Bissouma is not performing to the level that Bentoncourt was doing before in terms of uh, ability in the, in the final third, especially. Um, Hill, um, I thought he was pretty good when he had the ball, but he struggled to be in the game, um, which kind of backs up Conte's feelings about his physicality. But I think that better off the ball movement, better passes from teammates um, could have got him into the ball more. I went and looked at this. Um, Kulusevski basically always has more touches than Sun. Hill had fewer touches than Sun. There's an issue there. Sun, especially this season, my goodness. I and I know that we we spoke about this last season. We said, look, when Sun in, in this inside left role um, is quite poor um, in build up, but when he scores goals, we're all happy, right? This season, he's not scoring goals. He's only doing the bad performances bit, so that makes it tougher. But like. It feels like that's kind of self-fulfilling itself. The more he's not scoring a goal, the more he's trying to do when he receives the ball in midfield. And therefore, the more he just sort of does his best Lucas Moura impression. And <laughs> we don't need that. He's 
He's um yeah, he, it's like he's playing for Korea and he's trying to be the the one man attack and that's just not the best way for him to play or for us to play with him at all. So yeah, I, I think Villa defended very well. I think that's fair to say. Um, why else did we not manage to put it ahead in in the first half? Tough to say. Maybe a little unlucky. You know, maybe a little unlucky. Didn't get any corners. Didn't get any, many threatening set pieces to work with. Obviously, that would have helped. Um, but I also think generally, and we did talk about this before, like when you have the fitness for one half or the other this season, where we've had the fitness in the second half, it's been better because you you know what you need to achieve, right? The goal is we need to get one back. We need to get two back. Whereas back under Mourinho, when it was like this, like the Villa game, where you come out well in the first half, and then are the lesser team in the second half. Um, it's trickier and it's more upsetting. It's more depressing, <laughs> quite frankly. I think that having gone hard in the first half, we then repeatedly lost the second ball in the second half. And um, yeah, that's it. We just we seem to have the intensity for forty five minutes of uh, of contesting the game in midfield. And I don't really know too much about what we can do about that. I think you've done a really good job of going uh, macro to micro there. Um, I've got a few things I'd like to add. I think genuinely the back end of last season was really good. Yeah. I think it was statistically good, and I think it was it was pretty good on the eye as well. There were some there were some patchy performances, but there were some matches where we looked a really decent team, and we looked like we were playing some free flowing stuff. Some of our players were growing in confidence. I'm thinking someone like Sessignon had a couple of really good games, and I was thinking, okay, this is this is the start of something. Conte's you know famous for getting the best out of wing backs. Finally, he can start helping Doherty, who, you know, before Matty Cash ended his season, was starting to look really decent. Sessignon, um, and obviously we had Kulisevsky and Bentancourt at that point. And and things were looking rosy. Then we had the summer, and we, on this podcast, desperately wanted us to sign a left-sided centre-back and a right-wing back. And we didn't adequately fill either of those roles. We signed Longley, who was who's an improvement, I think, but it's a marginal improvement, and he's not Bastoni or anything like that caliber of player. And he's also probably not going to be here next season, so it doesn't. And he's also a short term option, exactly. And we signed Jed Spence, who, as we know, is a club signing uh, in air quotes. We were happy about that at the time. I, I really, I still am really happy about having Jed Spence at Spurs. That's another. I'll come on to that shortly. Um, and yet, despite that, I still felt really confident about the season because of the back end of last season. I thought, you know, we we managed to do really well despite having weak spots in the team. There's no reason why we can't continue to do well. You know, players would have had longer to bed in. Conte's plans would have been um, drilled over the preseason, etc., etc., etc. And then this season started. The preseason was whatever. It, it wasn't great. Like there wasn't signs of of improved pressing or anything new I didn't think in preseason but what we did get was a new set piece coach and honestly when I look back now over the start of first half of this season if we hadn't signed <laughs> Gianni Vio I dread to think yeah. where we'd be in the table yeah. right now like this this would be this would be catastrophic compared to Fine. where we should be you know in terms of like money spent outlay spent and certainly this the salary of our manager which is up there with the highest in in the Premier League this season has not been good and I've made lots of excuses for it. You mentioned earlier, we've said several times, you know, well, we haven't had Romero, we haven't had Kulisevsky, we haven't had whoever. Long season. Um, 
long season, World Cup season, I've come on this podcast numerous times and said I think it's a, a viable strategy to conserve fitness in the first half, play your heart out in the second half. It's a, it's, it's going to be a weird season for a lot of reasons. Let's, that's, that's fine. It appears to me from some of the quotes from, from Kulusevsky in particular that that isn't the strategy. That hasn't been the strategy. That's just been the way things have played out. I think the, the, the gap for the World Cup was a chance for Conte to have a bit of a reset and have a bit of a rethink and look at his tactical intentions and work out what he's trying to achieve here and which players he can trust to achieve it. And I think it was before the Brentford game, he said, we want to win the ball higher up the pitch. We want to do more counter-pressing. Basically, he wants to improve our pressing. It's something he's been working on. I've not seen signs in the Brentford or Villa game that we've improved our pressing. I, I think it's that there's there's an element that I think Benson Corey is really important to our press because he's an exceptional presser. But as a team, as a collective, I don't think we are a well-oiled pressing machine. I thought we did okay pressing Villa in the first half. Okay, not brilliant. And definitely, I think that like... Um quality and intensity aren't the exact same thing right so we tried to press Villa in the first half we did okay and in fact maybe more relevant to your point is to start the second half we came out three minutes or so we pressed well we controlled the ball um Mm. dominate the game Villa had a spell of possession we set off them and allowed um uh Louise's shot from midfield yeah yeah absolutely I look at the I look at the Brentford game and I think that is a continuation of what we saw pre-World mm. Cup. We, we we play poorly in the first half, we go behind and then we're forced to come back. And, and to be honest, we could, we could have won that game. We could have won that game. Um, Harry Kane should have had a penalty and we were in the ascendancy. And I think in many ways, if we'd won that game, it would have convinced me probably that everything was fine. Yeah, and I don't think everything is fine. Mm. Mm. And I think it's probably in some ways... In, in some ways, it's better that we didn't win the game because actually it makes it clearer that there are, it, it hammers it home that there are significant issues here that need to be addressed. Um, the Villa game, honestly, from being inside the stadium and feeling the atmosphere and, and feeling the sort of the cluelessness, I think, of the performance amongst the players, I'm not saying it's up there with the worst of the Mourinho performances, but it's in the same ballpark, it's in the same category as the worst of the Jose Mourinho Spurs performances. I think a lot's been made about us going behind, um, you know, 10 games in a row, conceding conceding the first goal too many times. Mm. I, w- I would flip that on its head and say, why are we not scoring first? Why why are we not trying to score the first goal? We're not, we're, we're, we're so passive in first halves. Of course we're going to go behind because we're not attacking. We're, we're not trying to score. So it feels like we're not putting sufficient um, emphasis on trying to score the first goal. So it's inevitable that the opposition are going to have as good a scoring opportunity, if not better. And, you know, there's lots of criticism of our defenders, of our goalkeeper at the moment. It doesn't half put more pressure on those players when we're not scoring the first goal. You know, if, if we're if we're at nil-nil for long periods, the pressure that mounts on our defenders and goalkeeper when opposition teams are, are countering on us or even having more possession and creating more chances, it's, it's not easy for them. Um, one point that Bardi made in his in his little recording, and that I've seen made over Twitter numerous times over the last forty eight hours, is the players that are playing now and are, are letting Conte down are the same players that got the last two managers sacked. So, mm. so we've gone back and we've we've looked at the the teams that Pochettino and Mourinho had in their last matches 
to see are these the same players that got in the sack? So do you want to start with with Pochettino's last eleven, Nathan? So Pochettino's last eleven. This is a one-all draw with um, Sheffield United. Um, Gazaniga started in goal. Obviously, Lloris was first choice and has been throughout. We can come back to him. Um, the centre backs were Davinson and Dyer. Um, obviously, both of those players are still playing games for us now, but neither of them started this particular game, which I think is relevant. Um, the, the Villa game. So Jory was the right back. Um, obviously, he's been moved on. Ben Davies was the left back, who is now, you could argue, back up, left centre back, with, although again, if mm-hmm. we're being fair, started this game. It's in the squad. Mm-hmm. Sissoko and Ndombele midfield. Sissoko has moved on some time ago. Ndombele is out on loan prior to a sale that's now quite likely to happen. It looks like Napoli are interested. They're leading their league, by the way. Um, an attacking midfield three of La Celso, who's moved on, or, or sorry, same situation as Ndombele, basically. Delhi, who moved on a while ago, and Sun, who was last season's golden boot winner, and Kane, who's, um, you know, maybe the best player this club has ever seen. So, um, in terms of like continuation, you've got Dyer and Davies. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, people have voiced their frustrations with, with Dyer continuously. Maybe we should have moved on from Dyer by now. Um, Davies, I think, is good enough to be back up left centre back at this stage. Um, Kane and Son, you know, it's, if you want us to move on from Kane and Son, then, then say that specifically, voice your opinion on that. But I don't think that's, that's how people feel. Lloris obviously didn't start this particular game, but was first choice at the time. Um, I think that he was good every season from then until last season and his drop-off is now. I think that we should have moved on from Lloris before that. Um, but I, again, I don't think that's the play that most people are pushing for us to have moved on from. Absolutely fair. So if I come on to Mourinho's last game in charge, it was a two-all draw against Everton. He played a 3-4-1-2. So he had Lloris in goal, a back three of Alderweireld, Joe Roden and Eric Dyer. Then we had Aurier, Sissoko, Hoybier and Regalon with Ndombele behind Son and Kane. So of those, uh, Lloris obviously still first choice. Adverald and Roden have both moved on. Roden on loan. In fact, that looks like it's going to be terminated and he might end up coming back. But I'm assuming that he'll then be sold or, or loaned out yeah. again. Eric Dyer, who, like Nathan says, I think it's reasonable that some people are just sick of Eric Dyer now. He's been at the club a long time. Um, hasn't always played well, but I would say that Eric Dyer had a really good strong end to last season yeah. started this season okay and then had a, a, a really rough patch you know when when there was that uh, England squad announcement where he didn't make it where Spurs fans were up in arms that Eric Dyer wasn't in the squad after his strong performances so I think there's a lot of revisionism on Eric Dyer um, he's had some good games for Spurs he's had some bad games for Spurs he's an absolutely fine backup I would like him not to be first choice anymore but we're not struggling as a team because of Eric Dyer in my opinion um, Aurier obviously has moved on Sissoko has moved on Hoybier is now one of probably one of our most important players rightly or wrongly Regalon uh, has moved on Ndombele will move on and Son and Kane up front I, I echo your point I think if, if people were saying they need, we need to move on for Son and Kane fine like we can have that discussion and we probably do need to have that discussion and you and Bardi were having that discussion a year ago frankly but I don't I agree I don't think that's what people are saying so, you know, these aren't the same players that got the last two managers sacked. We've got different players now. Let me read you the bench for this game, by the way. Alderweireld, Winks, Vorm, Sessegnon, Voigt, Eriksson, Lucas. So, like, yeah, I, I think there's been 
significant turnover. It isn't a completely new eleven. Really, we're talking about Eric Dyer. And Larice. Okay, Larice. Eric Dyer and Larice. And yeah, I think that's a valid criticism to say we should have moved on from Eric Dyer. We should have moved from moved on from Hugo Larice by now. Yeah, fair enough. And I hold those criticisms, but that doesn't explain the failures of three managers, the four managers with Nuno. I don't think so. I I don't either. I I don't. It doesn't add up to me. Um, I don't think the argument is a good faith argument. To be honest, I think it's 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 one of convenience. Um, and I think it's one that tries to absolve Conte of responsibility. So, so here's where I am with Conte. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I was really, really excited about Antonio Conte and that excitement carried on until before the World Cup, to be honest. I, I was still, you know, in the top four, qualified for the next part of the Champions League. I think there could or should be a lot of grounds for optimism. But when you when you look at what's happened this season in the sort of cold light of day with, with some time to reflect on how it's looked, and if you start to think about what the job of a coach is, it's it's not great for Conte. So Conte's job, what's Conte's job as head coach for Spurs? His job is to pick the team. His job is to motivate the players. His job is to coach the players, to improve the players, to develop the players, to mould them into what he wants them to do. And, you know, Conte sort of said he to, to be a title-winning team, he needs a core of 14 exceptional players. And I'm like, okay, you've come to Tottenham Hotspur, mate. What? You, you must have known what you were getting into. You're not an idiot. We're not going to just go and buy you 100 million players across the board in every position. That's not how it works here. You kind of have to work with what you've got and then add 50 million Richarlison-type signings here and there. He, in my eyes, I'm struggling to see a player who's improved is, is where I'm coming to. Um, and worse than that, I, I'm seeing regressions in, in too many of our players. And... Um, you know, thinking about the Villa game specifically, I agree. I thought Brian Hill did some good things. Um, I didn't think Brian Hill was put in a position to succeed in that Villa game. He, he's receiving the ball with his back to goal with with a couple of Villa players hot on his tail. And he's expected to either lay it off straight back to the centre-back first time or take it into feet and, and wriggle away around them, which he did manage to do a couple of times. A couple of times he got fouled, in my opinion, and the referee didn't call it. Uh, a couple of times he got muscled off the ball too easily. But I don't see a player like that 
<laughs> receiving the ball on the halfway line, facing his own goal. I don't think that's how you get the best out of a player like Brian Hill. You need to, he needs to be receiving the ball in, in happier circumstances. And I think the same can be said of Son. I mean, you've, you've made a really good point that it feels like he's trying to do too much. But I sometimes think he hasn't got any choice but to try and do too much because he's, again, receiving the ball surrounded by players in a packed midfield with no options around him. And that is, in my view, because Conte's system is is not finding suitable solutions for us to actually progress the ball into the into the final third. I also think with Son, his form is absolutely abysmal. But this isn't a new thing. Son's form has been abysmal all season. I, I think Conte has some agency in that. And I think it's wrong to sort of absolve him of responsibility there. He did take Son out for one game against Leicester and Son came on and scored a hat-trick. You know, that shouldn't necessarily have been a, okay, everything's fine now with Son, he's fixed, I'll keep him playing. That should have been a, oh, hang on, maybe I should do this more. And, you know, with with, um, some of our other players, so Basuma is another example, I think. Uh, I watched Basuma quite a lot for Brighton. I really liked watching Graham Potter's Brighton. I thought they were brilliant. I thought Basuma was brilliant. I really enjoyed the way he he carried the ball forward under pressure. I really liked the way he passed the ball. When he plays for Spurs, (laughs) I'm seeing him receive the ball off the wide centre-back and pass it to the wing-back. And then sometimes receive it back from the wing-back and pass it back to the centre-back. I think that's mainly what he did in his final season for Brighton. And I think that that's, that's the season that Conte wanted him for. He wanted a, a number six who keeps it tidy. And I don't think that that's what we needed. I think we needed a number six who's excellent on the ball. Um, and and I tweet as much of the time um, that that he was too much of a likeness for the players that we already had. Um, it cost a fair bit of money. So, so um, for me, when we're criticising... Um, all the way up the chain, Conte, Peratici, Levy, Enoch. It's not that we're not investing. I mean, factually, Enoch have not put extra money in. I think they did put a little bit of money in last summer for the first time. Um, but for the most part, using the money that's within the club, that money is being spent. That's what I mean to say. Mm, mm, it's just not being mm. spent that well. It's just not being mm. done brilliantly. In terms of Levy specifically, like for, I don't know, three plus years on this podcast, we said... Um, Levy's done a really good job bringing us from a mid-table team to a Champions League level team but now he's in over his head he needs to hire a director of football he did that great he does also seem to still be quite involved for example he seemed to be in charge of the Jed Spence transfer in the summer as a result of him being the one in charge of that and not Piratici it took all of the summer to get it over the line and also it's not a player who suited what Conte wanted and there should have been a back and forth discussion there and if you go to your manager and you say you need the right wing back here's this kid in the championship he's really promising he's got a few things he needs to iron out do you want him and the coach says well sure I guess but um it's going to take a lot of time to work with um I would prefer x player then don't buy the kids or other way round if you are a chairman or you run a club that have to buy young players and coach them to improve them to sell them off at a later time a higher value and then reinvest that money don't hire antonio conte we've got to pick and this is what the the comment from was it jamie yeah. earlier yeah uh, uh sullivan you've got to pick what club we are um if we're a mega club who hire Mourinho and conte type managers 
and have lots of money and lots of income and we're going to go and contend for titles and we're going to spend that much money, then you need to invest externally, genuinely. And I know that this is something that people think that um, I'm not calling for. If we're going to be a Chelsea, a City, then then do that. Or if we're going to be a team that buy younger players... Um, bring in younger, not necessarily age younger, but career younger, developing managers who play systemic forward thinking, high energy football with interesting tactical ideas than be that club. But what we've done for a while now is not pick what kind of club we are, not accept what kind of club we are. And we've bought um, a child from the championship for um, a guy who's won a title everywhere he's gone. It's just, it's not, it's not matching up. Well, I think this is the crux of it. And I think this is where Daniel Levy now has a decision to make because it's January and we're looking like we're not going to finish in the top four this season as it stands right now. Like the trajectory for Spurs right now is, is not good. We're looking like a legit bad team. Um, who is underperforming without a shadow of a doubt, underperforming the players at its disposal, the wages that we are paying uh, for players and manager. And Levy has to decide whether he throws money at this situation and gives Conte to maybe three players who are going to cost him the best part of 200 million. Or, or does he decide, actually, no, actually, no, this is, this is not sustainable. I can't keep buying 27 year old players for 100 million for, for a, a manager that might not even be around come the end not of the season, given that his contract mm. runs out. And and be lumbered with players on big money, like and this is that you know Levy's. This happened before with Levy players being stuck on big money like Celso and Dombele and Regulon players that have been difficult to to shift because of their wages and because of the, the the value that he would want back for them. He's got a really really tough decision to make. However, so no, go on comment on that. So there's this first. game of chicken, right? Where where. Um... If we were to speculate from the outside, you've got Conte not signing a new contract. Um, is that because Conte wants assurances of of backing in the January window before he signs a new contract? And Levy's not giving that assurance because Conte's not signing a new contract, right? Do we have a game of chicken? Yeah, we've got to yeah. we've got to overcome that. We've got to say um, in writing, <laughs> I will hand. Paratici a budget of this amount of money if you sign this contract today and 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 make it happen and because I think that um, Levy and Paratici have been quite consistent on like there isn't a fixed budget if a player of this quality comes up we will make room we will make a budget for that player whereas if a player of only this other level is around then we've only going to spend this much on them. I, I get why from a business perspective that makes sense, right? I, I get why being adaptive makes sense. But if you want mm. to assure your coach and you want your coach to sign a new contract, a long-term contract, um, then you've got to give him a number. You've got to say, I'm 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 handing Paratici an account with 150 million in it. Mm. And, mm. And, and that's those are the terms. Because otherwise, yeah, we're going to continue this, this crossword where we, you know, we're being in a situation where no matter what we do in the January window, it will be wrong. Because if we don't mm. invest, then we will fail Conte's needs. And if we do invest, then we're ill-prepared for a future after Conte, right? Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely. I mean, I, so what I was going to say is, um, 
I do think there's a there's a grey area in the middle here, which is that sure, Conte hasn't got the players he wanted. He hasn't got the players he wanted. It's pretty obvious he hasn't got the players he wanted. He's made that. Clear. Got some of them. You got Basuma and you got Richarlison. I don't think it's a complete complete failure. And certainly, exactly. they're playing worse football. Maybe sorry, this is the point you're about to make, isn't it? Go on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we, he hasn't got exactly the players he wanted, but he got some of them. And the players he did get that perhaps he didn't want really aren't that bad. <laughs> True. And 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 are certainly better than, in my opinion, certainly better than Villa's players and Brentford's players, Brentford's players, and you know Bournemouth's players who who pretty much outplayed us for a mm-hmm. lot of that game. And you know there are there are other teams Leeds. I could keep going on and on about all the teams that have Newcastle. looked better than us. The coach's job is to make the team better than the sum of its parts, and I don't feel that Antonio Conte is doing that. I feel he's making us worse than some of did. our parts. Yeah, back into last season, we were miles better at one point than the summer of our part. We were playing some lovely stuff. That's gone. <laughs> this season, that's gone for whatever reason. Well, I think that reason predominantly is is energy levels. Obviously, we've been unlucky, unlucky again. We've got to say Kulisic and Romero's injuries. But, but for me, the main tactical issue is is fitness and I I'm over my head I can take us this far I can say there's a periodization issue I think but I don't know enough about sports science I it's, have a it's not just it that down. though Nathan it's 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 got to be a rotation issue and it it he's he's this is why I'm saying he is also culpable in Son's bad form because he has played Son and Kane week in week out twice a week he doesn't rotate them he doesn't he doesn't give them any time to recover He's often playing the same small group of players in every match yeah. with very limited rotation. We were really excited about the idea of him, you know, subbing wingbacks on on 60 minutes, <laughs> yeah. freshening them up, making sometimes yeah. half-time substitutions. We've got five subs now. Let's make all these subs and keep our players fresh. And, you know, sometimes it gets to 80 minutes, he's not made a sub, and then he brings on Davinson Sanchez. It's This is not a man who makes the most of his squad and it feels it feels personal. <laughs> it, it, it 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 feels like it's not just bad. So he made this comment specifically about fourteen wanting fourteen, thirteen or fourteen yeah. players or whatever. I look at what's happened with Jed Spence this season and I think, what the fuck, man? Like we've all watched Emerson Real, who is a really hard like he tries really hard. He's and he's a very likable character. You know, the whole posting his compilation things was. Totally adorable, a and he decent, briefly became a cult hero. He's a decent defensive right back, yeah. He's a decent defensive right back who, in another team, will be a very good player. He is not an Antonio Conte right wing mm. back, and never will be. And I don't, I don't believe that even Antonio Conte, one of the best coaches in the world, can coach him into being a, a really brilliant right wing back. And sure, Jed Spence might not be perfect. There are some rough edges Definitely. there, but for God's sake, give him, give him half an hour. Give him. A few minutes here and there to see what he can do. At right wing back, and by the way. At, at right wing back, not right wing forward. And and I felt the same about Brian Hill. He said in his post-match quotes yesterday that um, something about the players need time to to become uh, to adjust physically. To basically, he, what he was saying is Brian Hill's a skinny little boy. He needs to muscle up and get used to this. Well, there, there are ways of doing that. So one, you could send him on loan to a championship team and put him on a, a weights program and, you know, feel the weight of some of those championship defenders up his back and he will quickly develop muscle. Or give him 15 minutes in the league here and there. We've seen it in the past with some of our young players we brought through. You, you, The more football they're exposed to, the, the tougher they become. Harry Winks was a great example when Pochettino used to bring him on to close out games last 15 minutes. 
it's that's another way of of developing a player's physical side it's him not playing or playing the odds meaningless match here and there is not helpful to his development in my opinion loaning him back out to spain will not be helpful to his long-term development in the in the in the premier league in my opinion he's proven all he needs to prove so i i feel like conte is he's 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 making poor decisions like in the short term and in the long term at the moment wait you 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 were onto something i think you said that it feels personal right he's not just making bad decisions but he's making decisions that are are a front to yes. this club right the level of this club the direction of this club the financial reality of this club and the individual players that we're talking about mm-hmm. here yeah mm-hmm. he's not mm-hmm. just um He's not just failing to rotate in an efficient way. He's throwing his toys at the pram with regards to the players that he's been provided with. Is, th- is that what you mean? It, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Mm, and and it, yeah. feels like, it feels like he's, he's slipping into... So, um, so, so my, my, my partner is a, is a psychotherapist and she uses this phrase, uh, <laughs> script, scripty. Okay. She sometimes says some like if someone's being scripty, it's like they're falling into um how how what their script is about. That the behaviors they're slipping into are are behaviors they've fallen back on in the past and they know are probably bad, not good behaviors for them, and yet they're behaviors that that crop up. It feels like Antonio Conte is falling into his default mode, and I think that's what you meant when you when you referred to post match comments earlier. You, you, I, I know that um, some of the stuff he spoke about post Villa has upset you somewhat. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't manage to bring all the, the quotes up. So he he um, he talked about it being a project, despite the fact that we've clearly gone backwards. Right, that's that's one thing. He spoke about a lack of creative and technical players when he's shown our technical and creative players at the door. And very specifically, like obviously a number of times that I came on here to defend Ndombele, to praise Lo Celso, um, to big up Bergvine. Um, I've been pretty consistent on, on how much I like them, but I, I gave Conte, I backed him. I said, okay, this is how I feel about um, those players. I still think that it would have been possible to get a tune out of Delhi. Maybe he's not a technical player, actually. Um, but fine, I trust you. You're you're an incredible manager. These players aren't working out for you. Then then you move them on, and I and I I didn't complain. <laughs> I stopped complaining at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. To do that and then go, where are all my technical creative players? <laughs> like I don't know, man. You you presumably agreed that you, you jettisoned you, them all. You sent them away. And then the players that you asked for or agreed to in the summer are Basuma, who's technical in his press resistance but isn't gonna mm, do anything yeah. in the final third, and Richarlison who is technical kind of more technical than Sun, but but more of a scrappy goal getter, athlete type player. Yeah, I would say he's more of a tactical player sure, okay. than a technical player. Um, like, I don't know, do you not have any responsibility for the lack of technical players at the club? Um, what's the other fucking thing he said? Oh, yeah. this was about, this. okay, this is him saying, about the performance, I'm not disappointed because the performance was a good performance. <laughs> no. From the start until the end, from the start, yes, not until the end, he said he'd seen the right commitment, the right intensity and desire to get three points. Yeah, I just, I think that there's a very clear drop-off between um, before we concede a goal and after we concede the goal. Basically, I think that, you know, 
Uh, I a tiny amount of, of sympathy for the players in that, like, you've been going through this trend where you're quiet in the first half, you come out roaring in the second half, you sit down with the coach, the coach says, we need to go at it in the first half, we need to go at it in the first half, so you do, and then you still concede the first goal, yeah, you're going to drop a little bit. Um, but, but him, him, him phrasing the team after that performance to say it was a good performance just is absolutely untrue. The, the part of the press conference that, um, that really got my go is, is the part that seems to have got Alistair Gold's go as well. And if you've lost Alistair Gold, who is a very positive man, then you're, you're definitely (laughs) doing something wrong. So Alistair said, this is Alistair's words. At one point in his press conference, Conte sounded like he was simply doing Spurs a favor by helping them out. And this is Conte's quote. I know what is the reality because I am the coach. I live the club every day. I know what is the situation. I know the vision of the club, he said. The club knows very well what are my thoughts on the situation. The situation was very clear. I continue to work and to improve and to help you to improve the club, to create a solid foundation and then to develop. You know, the the, the he sets himself up as somehow superior to the club, like he's this godlike yeah. figure who the club require to get them out of his absolute hole. And I, I just don't think with the level of club that Spurs are now that that is true. I think he's come in to a club at a certain level. He's maintained that level. And don't get me wrong, he, he rescued us at the back end of last season into a Champions League position. But now we're sort of sinking back to the level we were when he came in. Like, how can he How can he have this sort of haughtiness yeah, about his, his behaviour? He acts like everything he does is a, is a favour to us. And it's like... Yeah, you're a great manager. Yeah, you've won a lot of things. Absolutely. All those things are true. Yes, you did really, really good work last season turning us around, but like you signed a contract. You're not, you're not doing mm. it for charity. Maybe you've burned enough bridges that you have to come to a lowly little club of our tiny little level where we're actually, you know, we're regularly competing in the Champions League and, um, you know, uh, one of the top 20 clubs in the world. He's, he's not doing us a favor. Do your job, man, and stop complaining so much. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I think it would be remiss of me not to ask you where you are with all of this. We had the conversation about Daniel Levy's got a difficult decision to make. Is your preference that that Levy backs Conte this window and and gives him the rest of the season to figure this out? Or do you think it's time to cut our losses and, and move on? And, and by move on... Basically, what I mean is rehire Mauricio Pochettino because that is that seems to be the the worst kept secret in football that Pochettino is waiting for the Spurs job to to come back up again. I didn't I didn't assume that as a given to be honest. I didn't think that was that that obvious. Uh, maybe I um yeah I am kind of apathetic. I'm kind of uh, my main thing is pick one, pick one and, and stick with it and go with it. My main thing is like okay, let's break it down. In Levy's position, I would get in touch with Mauricio Pochettino. I would mm-hmm. um, get in touch with um, De Zerbi. I would get in touch with Ange Postacoglu. And I would say, if we were to have an opening um, before the close of the January market, would you be interested in taking this job? Now, Postacoglu and De Zerbi in the middle of seasons that are going well for them, so they're probably going to say no. Yeah. Right. Um, Potter, not available. Ten Hag, not available. You missed your window on them, two of them. Um so if Pochettino is interested in the job, yeah, I'd weigh it up. If if you if you go back to Conte and say, what assurances do you want to sign this contract? Because I don't want to spend any money until I know you're here beyond the next few months. Um, you can't sort those things out. 
then you've got two options, right? Then you've got two de- decent options to run with. You, 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 at a moment, we're in a situation where we can't get it right, but you can create a situation where you can't get it wrong, right? Either we're spending a bunch of money, we're investing, um, and we're backing Antonio Conte, a really good manager, and we're going to we're gonna trust in him and trust in our investments and trust in Paratici's scouting to get it right, or we're not and we're going to start again and we're going to have some fun um, and, and daddy's going to come home. It should be easy. It should be, it should be easy to pick between Conte and Pochettino. <laughs> it should be easy. It should be easy. And I, and I guess the thing is, presumably with Conte in the last six months of his contract, it wouldn't be that expensive to move on from him. I, I can't, I'm, I can't see that it would be, um, you know, Levy has made big decisions before on managers when they've been locked into longer term contracts than this. Um, he's not, afraid of making a change when he's got a feeling that things aren't going right if he smells that something's not going right i'm i wouldn't be at all surprised if if conte doesn't last the window it, it, let's put it this way if our next three games who are they let me look at the next four games actually because this is really interesting we've got crystal palace okay. away on wednesday now palace aren't in great form but they're a pretty good team solid mid-table they're side a, with some uh, good talent up there front. Absolutely, and they can cause us some problems. We've then got Portsmouth at home in the FA Cup. If we don't beat Palace, things are going to be pretty toxic for the the home Portsmouth game. We should have enough to beat Portsmouth, but, you know, stranger things have happened. (laughs) Our two games after that are Arsenal and Man City away. Arsenal at home and Man City away. (laughs) I think things could get really ugly for Conte really, really quickly. And we wouldn't be talking then about, you know, whether we're backing Conte to be a, a title contending manager by spending 200 million. We're talking about whether whether Antonio Conte can get us to finish even top six, let alone top four. And I don't know that Daniel Levy is going to risk risk that, risk us drifting away from top four at this stage. And that will take us up to the 19th of January. There would be, you know, a little bit of transfer window left. He'd have to get his act together and make things happen quickly, but there would be some time to kind of get a new manager in and, and make some signings. I mean, this really feels proper make or break for the season for Spurs, but not just for the season, for the unique project. what happens next for the club. Yeah, yeah. If Conte goes, you know, you could almost see Paratici going. There's so many things hanging over him at the moment as well. Is he a good? Is he a good person to have at the club right now? I don't know. I mean, there are so many issues at this club when you start to you kind of like when you start to doubt the direction of the manager and the lack of joined upness with the, the rest of the footballing structure. There are so many issues. I, I could talk for hours about what the hell is going wrong with our youth development and the pathway between youth and first team and how much we're wasting talent and time and money uh, or not maximizing potential there. Um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like there's so much happen, like so much wrong with this club. It's a mess. You have been listening to the extra inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate. If you like this, there's plenty more at Patreon.com/forward/slash/theextrainch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. 
Shout out to the Exile team, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.